0: Chapter 46 of The Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M.B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter 46 A Tough Story. For some seconds the two worthies observed a mutual silence, broken only by a formidable rattle of teeth as large chunks of buffalo meat were put through their respective masticating machines curious to hear the promised revelation wingrove and i checked our impatience and clung to our covert among the bushes one thing to which their speech had incidentally adverted was not without much significance and had produced upon me a certain impression that was unpleasant they appeared to know or sure-shot did that at least a portion of the train was en route for the mormon city it is true i had originally suspicions of this but the letter of lillian had led me to hope it might be otherwise any destination but that i had commenced reflecting upon this point when i was interrupted by the voice of sure resuming the conversation thus did he enter on his explanation you see kimrad these warnings. yes i've here an air mighty taking up with sogrin and that sort of thing you've here talk of your great battalion they'll be arter these er trippin's for certain since they hain't much chance of gettin soger fixin's out there Weel, what i mean to do is to put the Nipsicks off on em for some new improvement of pattern i guess it ere that i've heard say so at the fort then the mormon general who ere the profit hisself, and who's got of dollars he'll buy the Nipsicks at any price now de take mr kick Truth I do, but if ye you think ye can fool them, so icy, easy as eatin' pumpkin pie, Jehoshaphat, I ain't been five year in the trading line without learnin' the business. I reckon, be me faith, ye must have been real clever at it when ye sold them knees for bacon hams to the Baltimoreans. Ye remember that story yez told us down Mexico? Yes, certainly I remember it <laughs> but I came a better trick than that on the Orleans people about five year ago just fore I gin the rangers. For what was it, sir? Weedle, You see, I want Allers as poor as I'm now. I had a partnership and a bit of a schooner as yes, used to trade between Boston and Orleans, and we used to load her with all sorts of notions to sell to the Orleans folk. Yeah, horse of and pork pies. they air fools and no steak and Creole French. We kid have sold em wood nutmegs and brick dust for cayenne pepper and such like. And I'm guess as how we did speculate a little in that line of business. Well, there came a time when they took a notion they could make a cheap brogan, as they call them, alligator's leather, and supplied the whole nigger market with em. The Neils were there, and so they took to using bootlegs, but not having a manufactory yet of pegs down south they had to get them from the north. Just then my partner and I thought of making a speculation on the pegs. So we loaded our schooner with that air freight, chucked right up to the hatches, and then saw off from Boston for Orleans. We thought we'd make durn fortune out that air trip. Sure you did, didn't you. Nooo, neer a bit it. It kin't nigh breakin us. Hurrah! How? Well, you see, when we got around to Orleans, we learnt that the boot trade had almost stopped. "'The alligator leather didn't turn out just the thing for brogans, and besides, it got a scarce by reason o the killin them Vernon. In course, the pigs head fell in price. They'd came down so low that we could only get twenty-five cents a bushel for it mutter Moses, only twenty-five cents a bushel that was all they'd fetch or from when and where we would in course we want fools enough to take that the dernation pigs had cost us more in Devil it out of it but what did yous do with any anyhow we you, uh, mr tigg we were clear beat at first and didn't know what to do neither mere my partner. But arter taking a good think over it, I see the way of getting out of the scrape. Leastwise, it's out sich a loss as sellin' the pigs at twenty-five cents a bushel. I see the chance of getting rid of them at fifty cents. All right, now, in what way, comrade? You've seed boot-pegs, I reckon, Mr. Tigg? I'm sure I if. are not they the same that's in these sutler's probes we got on? Bad luck to em. Jist the same, only "'whiter when they air new. i think i remember seeing a barrel full of them in new york very certain it were them they are usually packed in barrels can you think of anything they look like well in troth they look more like oats than any i can recollect sure they did look mighty like oats and don't ee calculate they'd a looked more like oats if they'd been pointed at both ends instead of one in troth would they all the same Weel dat's the very idea them kim enter my mind at the time. Hurrah now is it? And for what did ye do with a the pigston? "'Just sharpened other rings of em and sold em for oats. The puzzled, half incredulous stare on the countenance of the Hibernian was ridiculous in the extreme. The allegation of the Yankee had deprived him of speech, and for some moments he sat gazing at the latter evidently in doubt whether to give credence to the story or reject it as a little bit of a sell upon the part of his comrade, with whose eccentricity of character he was well acquainted. Equally ludicrous was the look of gravity on the countenance of the other, which he continued to preserve under the continued gaze of his comrade, with all the solemnity of a judge upon the bench. It was as much as my companion and I could do to restrain our laughter, but we were desirous of witnessing the finale of the affair, and by an effort succeeded in holding in. "'Hawk now, mister Sher Sir-Shot,' gasped the Irishman at length. "'In its only joking year.' Did I tell you, Patrick, every word it. "'You see, the oats were just selling at fifty cents a bushel, "'and that paid us. "'We made a little something, too, by the speculation. "'But how did you get the other inch pointed at all, at all? "'Oh, that were easy enough. "'I invented a machine for that.' And run em too in less of no time. When he came out ain't of the machine, I hid myself a-told him from oats. Ach, now I comprehend. Ah, rah, ah, and one in a quare trick. Be my soul, it bates banneker all the bases. Ha, ha, ha. Wingrove and I could hold in no longer, but joining in the loud cashination, as if we had been its echoes, sprang forward to the front infantry and riflemen bounded at their feet with the simultaneous shout of indians and dropping their spits and half-eaten apollas of meat dashed into the bushes like a pair of frightened rabbits in an instant both were out of sight and their whereabouts was alone indicated by the rattling of the branches as they passed through them i was apprehensive of losing them altogether and regretted not having used more caution in approaching them at that crisis an idea came to my aid and giving out an old signal well remembered by the ci-devant rangers I had the gratification of receiving a double response. The utterance of the signal had brought them to an instantaneous halt, and I could hear them exchanging surmises and exclamations of astonishment as they retraced their steps toward the fire. Presently, a pair of short, snub nosed faces were seen peering through the leaves, while from the lips of their owners burst simultaneously, De Captain! De Captain! With various other phrases in their respective patois, expressive of surprise and recognition. A few words suffice to explain all, as we had surmised the men were deserters, neither attempted to deny what in time of peace is not considered a very heinous crime, and for which just then the Californian fever was considered an ample justification. It was no affair of ours. I was only too rejoiced to join the company with the runaways, of whose loyalty to myself I had proofs of old. Their guns, more especially the rifle of sure-shot, would be a valuable addition to our strength, and instead of crawling along under cover of night, we might now advance with more freedom and rapidity. It was determined, therefore, to share our means of transport with our new comrades, an offer by them eagerly and readily accepted. The partial consumption of our stores had lightened the packs upon our mules, and the contents of the wheelbarrow equally divided between them would give to each only its ordinary load. The barrow itself was abandoned, left among the big timbers, to puzzle at a future period some red-skinned archaeologist Cheyenne or a rap-a-hole. end of chapter forty six